welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, the 20th of October. Um, we're recording a little bit late today because we've just watched the resignation of the Prime Minister, haven't we, Phil? Gosh, Andrew, yes, we have. And who is next? I was thinking to myself, do you know what? If company chief executives and whole scale boards of directors change this often, you would question buying the shares. Um, you wouldn't touch them. Um, that actually lasted 44 days. Um, I suppose that was longer than quasi quarting. Uh, I mean, it was a bizarre week. We started the week with a mini budget, so to speak, from uh, Jeremy Hunt, um, where he came in as the fourth chancellor in four months. He reversed everything. Now we're changing the prime minister. We lost uh, yesterday, didn't we? We lost the home secretary. Um, I'm going to just put you on the spot a little bit here because I love doing this to you, Phil, but can you name who the Home Secretary was? Shawna Braveman. Well done. Thank you. Uh, she came off to uh, Pretty Patel. I, I know. Well, it gets, I just get so confused. I can't name half the bloody cabinet because <laughs> it changes so rapidly. Um, I, I don't know where we go from this. I mean, Robert Peston's going to have a field, though, isn't he? And I mean, the trouble is I've been getting WhatsApps, Phil, from people overseas that I know just going what the bloody hell's going on and how can anybody you know on a large scale look at making investments into the UK when you just don't know what's going to be happening I mean there's no credibility at all it's it's so embarrassing I'm embarrassed I don't know about you well it is I was looking you you think Margaret Thatcher was in for over 11 years Tony Blair was in for over 10 years and now, and now this, and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that classic point of you were, ch- if you were changing your board of whole scale board of directors this often, would you invest? And it is a, you know, it is such a big issue for us now, in terms of uh, foreign direct investment, you know, confidence. Well, that's what Liz Truss is doing now. I think selling the big issue. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, she will get a handsome pension and police protection from it anyway for a very short tenure. I mean, the interesting thing is. We, we are literally doing this just after Liz Truss resigned, but the markets have so far remained remarkably calm, which tells you, in my view, one or two things. Either the markets are so international that, frankly, who's running this country doesn't bother them at all. Or, uh, I could tell you that they think, well, actually having no prime minister is better than having one. Maybe they'll get it right this time. Maybe they'll actually get a a prime minister and uh, you know i don't know will a new prime minister mean that we'll have a new chancellor now if we have a new chancellor i think my money is on mr bean we, yeah we discussed mr bean because he wouldn't be saying anything out of turn that would upset the markets would he no it's i think mr bean would be an excellent chancellor uh-huh. yeah but he's uh he's not on the uh unfortunately on the betfair list of odds at the moment which i was just looking at oh yeah who are they, what are the odds then uh to see who's sunak is uh favorite um followed by i'll get this right followed by penny mordant and then followed by ben wallace i think so there you are i mean we don't actually know yet do we how they're going to do this wretched revote um God, I, I mean, I despair. I, I really do despair. I mean, it's yeah. terrible, isn't it? Sorry, I, this yeah. is a taking trans podcast, I know, but I just, I, I can't help but despair, um, which is yeah. sad. 
It's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, six well, sixth biggest economy, and we ended up like this. And bloody hell, I hope they sort it. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, look, let's. Um, in the meantime, mm. uh, I'll be absolutely honest with you. Um, so I'd actually, in the meantime, I've just quickly pulled up the odds, funny enough, on Paddy Power. Uh, you're right, Rishi Sunak, four to six on, Penny Morden, nine to four, Ben Wallace, 17 to two, Boris Johnson, 14 to one. He must be having a hell of a laugh. Um, anyway, there we go. Uh, let's go back on to tech and trend, shall we? I'll be honest with you, I've had a very busy week this week, Phil, and I really haven't had much time uh, to look at an awful lot. Um, although there have been one or two... Um, one or two big picture announcements. There was a big announcement coming out of the US on the fact they've now spent $2.8 billion out of their um, infrastructure um, reform act or whatever fund. Uh, I don't mean that. Do I mean $2.8 billion? I do, don't I? Yeah, you do. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh. And it's all going into the battery space and everything. I mean, they're really starting to pour the money in there, aren't they? I mean, you know, they are. they have woken up to the fact of what's going on in China, I think, and are, are competing now. And what we need, of course, is Europe to do the same thing. Yeah, it's called it's called a strategic direction, which we've not got. And, it, and what was amazing about this as well, you could tell, by God, you can see how they've thought this through. Two point eight billion dollars so far, so far awarded to 20 companies. Very, very focused approach to the whole thing and a strategic approach. And you're right, they are waking up to it oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm told the sort of minimum ticket size is 100 million dollars. Well, we don't have that at BSO. We'll take anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. Right. So, yes, that was, yeah, that was quite big news. But uh, Tesla, of course, was very interesting for the uh, electrification space. And um, I don't know, you know, I look at this and you think what a, you know, what a gigantic company has been built over a relatively short space of time. The third quarter results, their earnings per share, uh, what have they got? They got 21.45 billion of revenue, and analysts uh, were looking for 22.09. Oh dear, ever such a slight miss, but not a lot. Uh, and the earnings came in at a dollar and five versus you know consensus of a dollar point oh one. But what was interesting for me was the the bit on the gross margins here, and this is automotive for you. It's not quite making the gross margin that software does. Uh, gross margin is 27.9%, slightly below the 28.4%. And it was due to elevated costs on materials and labour. Well, you know what? That's not too much of a dent, all things considered. So, um, I'd agree with you, actually. You know, I think the numbers are huge. I mean, the turnovers are massive. That's nothing. Oh, oh, this is a company created, what, I don't know, what, 10 years ago? But, like, wow. Well, quite amazing. Um, on the subject, fortunately, of, uh, of of Taiwan and semiconductors and uh, and you know what's happening strategically, uh, ASML, who are um, Holland-based, uh, one of the biggest equipment suppliers into the semiconductor industry. They supply what's called lithography equipment for etching circuits, um, but used by all the global manufacturers, including TSMC in Taiwan, Samsung, and Intel. But they just reported their third quarterly sales and profits. Um, and they said they've got record bookings. Now, this is interesting because this is at a time when we're seeing the computer industry, which is a big consumer of chips, kind of slowing down, or some elements of the, you know, the PC market, for instance. Um, but they've got a good outlook. And they're actually saying this is due to companies 
you know, they're investing in a longer term view. So it's back to our little theme of capital spend and what is, you know, what is happening. So it's customers expanding long term capacity. Now in IBM, Andrew, which you mentioned this morning, um, they reported again its third quarter results. Uh, their revenue was, um, I'm just looking at this, up by I think six percent. Oh no, the share price was up six percent, but the revenue increased to. 14 billion, 40.1 versus 13.5 expected by analysts. Um, but they said that uh, they'd seen something. This is for all companies must be watching this like a hawk. Companies said that foreign exchange rates would result in 7% less revenue than otherwise. But for me, what was interesting in all of this was the fact that they'd seen 7.5% growth um, in their software business. So companies still investing in IBM software on the consultancy business. And this can be something that goes soft in a, you know, in a softer economic uh, climate. Their consultancy business was up five and a half percent, which mm -hmm. I thought was was very interesting as well. And then, of course, they've got their mainframe computing um, business, and that was up uh, by by 14 percent. So companies spending on capital there with them, spending on software, spending on consultancy. Interesting. I mean, it, it's interesting, the, the things we've said so far, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a red herring as I do occasionally, is that I think, you know, in the 40 years that I've now nearly done in the city, um, we've basically had 40 years of boom time where we've seen a steady, steady decline in, in interest rates, steady decline in inflation, yeah. being the blip, shall we say. And there's been an amazing environment for, well, for bonds and equities, actually. Uh, and you can't help but feel that what's taken place over the last 40 years has now changed and we're moving into a new era, be it 20 years or 40 years, I don't know, where very different driving forces are going to make up your investment mind. Um, obviously, you know, we've got the Cold War too, as I call it, where certainly as we talked about earlier, America is willing, they've got to start bringing realizing they've got to start bringing production and everything back to the USA. The rest of the West has got to wake up to that. There is going to be this you know, East versus West who does it. But the other thing is that, um, you know, debt over the last certainly 14 years has got out of control and it's sort of been topped with a layer of icing, which was things like, you know, furlough and, and uh, energy bailouts and, and you name it. And everyone now feels, and this is obviously what this trust has gone wrong, is that the debt levels are just too high and we've got to get rid of them. Now, the one bit that people don't talk about in government is actually there's really only one way to get rid of debt when you're governments, and that is actually um, inflation. Inflation brings your debt down because you in inflate everything else, and so relatively debt comes down. That's certainly checked to GDP. Uh, now, the, the secret with inflation is that when it hits, you know, 10.1% as it did on whatever day it was this week when they announced the new inflation numbers, everybody gets very upset and um, inflation is too high and the unions all come out and say, we want inflation matching, pay rises, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So 10% is too high. People don't like it. But, you know, down actually at 2%, which was the Bank of England's target, is too low because you don't, you don't deflate out your debt. Um, so what we actually need to do is go back to a, a, a world or set up a world where probably inflation is running at about 5%, because then it's, you know, most people can cope with that. They're not really going to notice. They're not going to complain. 
Uh, but actually, if you have 5% inflation, it doesn't take that many years until your, your debt is no longer a problem. So I think the government needs to tell the Bank of England to reset its target and to aim for sort of 5% inflation, which probably means you're going to get interest rates at about 5% to try and match it. Uh, now, if you take happen to agree with this sort of view that I'm having, the one thing you don't want is bonds. Now, the one thing, of course, that's happened over the last 40 years is that all the big pension funds have basically moved away from equities and got into bonds. So the funny thing is, although you may say, well, how does that help equities? The good news is that if all the big pension funds are going to start moving out of bonds, there's a fair chance that they'll allocate more money to equities. But the other thing you're going to see to allow this inflation, etc., to go on and with the Cold War going on, is you will, I think, see a capex boom in certain sectors, uh, as you were just describing there, pushed by things like the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, pushed by... Uh, the need to bring things back to the West from the East. Uh, and so I think sectors that are involved in tech and transitional energy in particular, but also climate change and that sort of thing, actually the outlook for them is really, really good in this new environment. But, you know, I, I, I was wondering now, it comes in on IBM, but, you you know, I, I agree, I have to say, I do agree with your view. Um, uh, and and the you know the structural growth angles be, because of that because there's another factor in here as well on tech and it's productivity um, yeah. you know, being able to drive you know the great UK conundrum how the hell do we increase our productivity um, and have higher value higher value jobs higher value exports and it's productivity and I guess you know for technology that's a that is a big driver. Anyway, that was my little red herring. So uh, well, we, <laughs> we well, love a red herring. Uh, back to, back yeah. to things you've seen this week, Phil. Yeah, but that was a no. Yeah, it might seem like a red herring, but it, we're always looking at structural long-term growth drivers. So you know, I think it's very, very, very relevant. Um, okay, talking about the markets um, and talking about tech evaluations, I did see here that um, Intel, who'd acquired Mobileye. Um, technology. This is for. I remember what it's for. Actually, yes, yeah, self-driving tech. So this is um, sort of scanning tech sits on top of the car, spots where it is, spots its location, what's around. Mobileye, but uh, looking to IPO, um, and the rooms on the market that's seeking evaluation of sixteen billion dollars, less than a third what would have been expected. How the markets have softened, but remember, you know things like IPOs, big tech IPOs. You've always got that element of uncertainty on the on the growth rate at the moment. But that was quite that was quite eye catching. But there's been a bit of news out from some of our smaller companies quoted in the UK, um, and let's cover off one of those quickly. Uh, Centralnic, uh, ticker Scenic at 378 million, uh, not that small, but um, they've got. Uh, their software platform is um, is particularly focused on managing domain names. Um, you know, and these are for websites right across the right across the uh, the e environment, as it were. But managing domain names and and, and email, but in particular protecting brands um, and domain names are sort of intrinsically tied up with that. But they've said that uh, they had a nine month trading. Um, update, positive trading momentum, um, saying they're expecting revenue or uh, what's uh, net revenue at least 127 million, uh, adjusted EBITDA 61 million, so high high margin there, but with always lots of cash flow, of course. 
Um, but what they did say is that their cash had increased to 83 million from 56 million. So stuff is converted to cash. That's that's excellent. Um, and they have said they now have confidence that the group will materially exceed the current market expectations for the full year. So that's very positive. That's from Centralnik. We love uh, somebody who says they can exceed expectations. We like that. Well, well, there, there you go. Uh, and another company, and this one has been around for uh, since I came in the city, is IQE. I think tickers IQE, 330 million market cap, and they manufacture um, <coughs> compound semiconductor wafers. Um, well, well, basically, it's we can ship wafers. It's the wafers that have the chips on, but their compound semiconductors are a little bit different from the the silicon chip you know, microprocessors in your iPhone. These ones go in and they're used to transmit and handle power. So the you know, radio frequency signal that comes out of your, your iPhone, um, smartphones, but they also produce, these chips are used for very, very small lasers called um, vertical cavity surface emitting lasers. There you go, Vixels. Um, and so things like your face ID recognition on your iPhone uses a Vixel. Uh, in fact, the iPhone X was the first to use it. Anyway, they've announced that they have um, signed a multi-year strategic agreement with the global consumer electronics OEM in Asia. So it's going to be a big one, I'm sure. Um, they're not quantified, you know, quantified the announcement yet, but I'm sure that is quite good news for IQE. Well, well done them. I would like them to make some photo recognition of my iPhone when I'm wearing a bicycle helmet, because at the moment it doesn't work when you've got your bicycle helmet on. It's really annoying. Oh, didn't know that. Oh, there we go. You've got to write to Apple. Um, on the subject of consumer electronics, uh, Nanoco, which we have talked about before, Andrew. The, ticker the is, litigation uh, stock. Actually, gosh, a little bit more so that. But yes, the litigation is involved. Um, the tickers are NANO, 100 million market cap, the four year results. Um, and they produce uh, carbon-free quantum dots. Oh God, this is the uh, this is a, a tree of technology. But basically, quantum dots are used in very, very high-resolution uh, TV displays. So if you go walk around John Lewis and look at their latest display tech, I'm sure there are Asian consumer manufacturers that will be using some sort of quantum dot technology. Um, and they are, they've sent the four year results. They're continuing to work with a major Asia chemicals customer. Um, so that's no surprising. They're consolidating their operations to save on costs because their results, the turnover was just over 2 million, I think, and a loss of 2 million. But the company has 6.8 million in cash um, and, a, and a low burn rate. But onto the litigation, and it's litigation with Samsung. Um, and this is a patent trial and appeal board confirming the validity of five of their patents and 47 associated claims. But there's a jury trial in Texas expected short term. Um, but and uh, they filed an additional lawsuit. I think this is Nanoco filed a lawsuit injunction against. Oh, they have. Yeah. Against Samsung in Germany. So uh, an interesting one on investment, and the share price has been running up. You will see. So but it's been going know. on for years. And uh, years yeah, exactly. Years. So, so you know. maybe one day they'll resolve it. It's crazy. Yeah, but if they've got the cash to keep seeing them through, and they're winning business, they're obviously managing the situation a bit. Cash is king. Yeah. All right. Moving on. What else? Right, move, well, well uh, Sayeta, 
which yes and I, I was fooled by this i didn't think it was a i was a bit i thought it was a bit of a cautious <laughs> statement and the stock went up well let me let me explain i can never pronounce this correctly but it's spelled s-a-i-e-t-t-a and the ticket is s-e-d uh just you got, right. Right. you got it right you got it absolutely right oh well, thank you very much andrew for that um this is an electric motor technology uh, company um and they signed and sort of raised funds in um august um yeah and they've got a 20 million euro major joint development program with consolidated metco uh, in the states and this is um they're, they're planning to develop market a patented range of in-wheel e-drive and generated products for trucks and buses these are really i've looked at these things that the like like called e-axle technology it's where you know, you've got you've got the motor and the the inverter and the controls are all together in one axle, um, and and the truck, you know, trucks and buses are seen as serious markets for for that tech. But they'd, um, yeah, the the statement went on to say all the progress they were making with that. But they then went on to say that because they were now focusing on far bigger projects, that they're expecting the revenue profile across the year to move more into a second half uh a second half concentration i think that's about right so it was like kind of all bullish news but by the way um we're going to see that uh yeah i didn't like that ending i thought it was a bit i would thought it was a bit of a disguise it could get pretty hairy scary uh the market did initially like it actually in fairness the market sort of changed its tune now i mean this stock was trading up as high as sort of 260p it's now down at 94p 92p um Oh, it's a tough space. I mean, they yeah, they've gone from tuk tucks to lorries. Very different, uh, very different type of engineering. But yeah. it's a bit, it's a you know, it's a big potential market. I mean, we were, yeah, I mean, we were looking at this early in the week, weren't we? Andrew? We were talking about hydrogen um, and hydrogen refueling. Um, yeah, we sort of spotted that Shell are pulling out of it, aren't they? I mean, well, they're pulling out of the the small end, aren't they? They're they're going to yeah, take yeah. away all their hydrogen refueling for cars. And then they're going to focus more on the big heavy truck market. Yeah, and if you look at where the you know the development dollars are being spent, it's all the heavy truck makers are working. I mean, Daimler's the biggest, and they're working on hydrogen trucks because um, you know the needs different, isn't it? I mean, the weight of the batteries that will be required to propel a truck versus the weight of batteries for a you know for a car, which is not being paid necessarily to carry heavy loads. You know, the economics are different. Hydrogen is seen as a good you know, a clean, uh, more economical solution for the truck industry. And hence the truck industry is putting the money into hydrogen. Now, I think you're right. Different modes of transport need different solutions. Um, again, another red herring for me today. But as I was saying to somebody, I, I think I think you know, Phil, I recently got a new bike. My old one was 45 years old, kept breaking down. Now I love my old bike. But everyone said, get a cycle to work scheme bike out. It'll cost you half price. You won't even notice the difference. I've got this new bike. Yeah, and uh, the guy at the loading bay when I was taking it down to the bike room said, why, why have you why have you bought a flash sort of, you know, lightweight, you know, carbon fibre bike? Why have you gone for another boring steel bike? And as I pointed out to him, the thing about a bike is, right, it's not about the weight of the frame and everything, because the heaviest thing on my bike by miles is me. Um, <laughs> Whether you I have a steel frame. Overly heavy, Andrew, but yeah, sure. yeah, well, I am by miles. 
The key to a bike is the tyres you've got. And I did change the tyres, the tyres that I like that make it a lot easier. Anyway, that's another complete red herring. I'm just telling everybody how fat I am at the moment. Uh, back to tech and tech transition energy. Sorry, Phil. Uh, we've done hydrogen, shallow changing the game with the truck market. Right, that's it. Done. Move on. Right. Well, no, that is, that is for me, that is about it this week, actually. Oh, right. In terms of news, um, but pleased to see you're maintaining your capital expenditure. Um, and we will be looking out for, as I say, a lot of the US results are now coming through for the third quarter um, and what their outlook is, and particularly in the, the, the tech sector. So we'll be following that clo quite closely. But um, apart from that, in terms of the markets, I don't think there was anything. No, I mean, most of the, there's been a lot of trading updates across the whole sort of market, actually, but most yeah. of them are sort of in line. And so, to be yeah. honest, you aren't that exciting. And things like GB Group, which we've talked about in the past, because yeah. they've had a, a bid, you know, they came out trading update, um, remains unchanged. Full year, we've had things like that, RPS, in line, you know, it was all, it was all yeah, been yeah, in sure. line. So, really pretty boring. The only other thing I would point out is that I've got some possible bad news for the Bitcoin price. Because I don't know if you've noticed over the last few years, but basically the Bitcoin price has been uh, following pretty closely the avocado price. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in the last uh, few weeks, the price of avocado has absolutely collapsed. Um, so that looks bearish for Bitcoin. You know what? I didn't know that was a currency pairing. Well. Well, there you go. You, you learn new things every day, I, Phil. I, I, I'm always looking at the, you know, the GBP versus the the USD. <laughs> I will I will send you a chart after <laughs> this, which plots the price of Bitcoin against the price of avocados. But yeah, believe it or not, the price of avocados has absolutely collapsed actually in the last sort of uh, three months, and has collapsed pretty badly in the last few weeks. Um, it's very healthy uh, food as well. So go out and buy your avocados now. And on that note, I think we call it a day because people think I've gone completely mad today. I've just been overworking, I think. Um, so anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you disagree with me, if you think that the Bitcoin and avocado price don't actually match each other, just let us know. If you feel we've upset you, let us know. Um, tell us what to talk about. No one ever sort of, you know, we need to have somebody to, you know, Come up with an opinion. Tell us, hey, how about this? Or if you want to be a special guest, yeah, ring us up and say, I want to be a special are. guest on your podcast. I want to come and give my views. We'll do that too. Anyway, on that note, I'll wrap up and shut up for a while. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Thanks. We certainly will. Take care. Cheers, Andrew.